okay? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned for my fascinating guests. We'll be right there. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Authors on the Air. I'm so thrilled to be back on the air with you. I've missed you. It's um, It's been a while since we chatted, but... Leave it to me to get lucky enough to find a really interesting new guest to come back and talk to you about. Gloria Nash has been a New York Times bestselling writer, started writing a long time ago. She's been in and out of this business of writing and publishing for years and knows it like the back of her hand. Um, She is also a very well-known speaker on the TED Talks. I looked her up. It's fascinating. She's lived all over the place, so she has a lot of interesting things to tell us about herself. Right now, she and her husband live in Miami, so we have that in common because most of you know I'm originally from Miami. She has four kids and six grandchildren and a yellow lab named Jacob. I am thrilled to welcome Gloria Naj to the show. Gloria, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, David just raves about you. David is uh, David Ivester, the author god, and he um, is the supporter right. of the yeah. show. He's <laughs> wonderful. So, so I want to talk to you about your fantastic, wonderful life. You, you know, I I read your long bio, and I didn't really have a chance to. I mean, I couldn't put all of that information in there, but. You've been a novelist and a screenwriter. You have 11 novels under your belt previously. Um, your critically acclaimed novel, Looking for Leo, has been adapted as a miniseries for CBS. I want to ask you, how is that coming along? Well, you know, anybody that does this work knows that the the process from when you actually sell something to the movies and when it appears as a movie you could grow old waiting. Yes. So yes. I yes. don't know. They keep you know, they keep postponing it. I've had lots of movie deals. Somehow Hollywood has already always sort of gotten my my work and seen it, but um not one of them yet has actually been made into a movie. So they you just know, keep opting you over will. and over, right? They just Yeah, keep I, I over and to, over. I <laughs> I used to call myself the development slut because I would just keep living <laughs> off this getting all this option money. And then with my novel Looking for Leo, CBS actually bought it and they paid me a great deal of money. Plus, they paid a screenwriter a great deal of money, and it was a pay-for-play deal. So I had Elizabeth Taylor and uh, oh, Lauren wow. McCall and all these really all big name people. And uh, a week before the the start date, um, Les, the, the Leslie Moonves, who certainly paid for it, <laughs> um, oh, decided goodness. he didn't li- didn't like the casting, and so it's still sitting there somewhere. Um, but we all got paid. 
Yeah. Well, there you go. So, you know, if, mean, if they're going to do that to you, torture you by drips, then at least oh, you have please. to get paid for it, right? So, <laughs> well, they, I, they torture enough riders by drips and don't get paid. They don't get paid for it. So it's I true. It's, it's really true. <laughs> I want to ask you about your young life and what you aspired to do before you became a novelist. Well, you know, it's really, that's a very uh, profound, interesting question for me. Um, I, you know, it's sort of a chicken or the egg thing. Um, I published my first little story. It was about my turtle, Myrtle, but I was seven years old, so you can excuse that. Um, And the local paper in Beverly Hills, because I grew up in Beverly Hills 90210, that was enough to get me through the first three books. Um, and I saw my name, you know, and that was sort of it. Um, I don't think for, I mean, every writer is different. It's like snowflakes. We're all, you know, we're all completely unique, but I think I was, I was born a writer. I wasn't made a writer, you know, and I Mm -hmm. also, I was an actress too. And I was, you know, I, I did a lot of that. So I think that really, really helped me because I love writing dialogue and I, I think I really have an ear, you know, I can, I can hear a false note if that person, that character wouldn't talk like that, you know, I could, I can get in there because I think of the, the theater background. But after spending a year in New York, leaving college and going to New York for a year, um, I realized that I did not have the personality or the, the grit for acting. I mean, that was like throw your mother under the truck to get the, you know, first place in right. mind that I was always I was always looking at every situation or audition as a writer. You know that that was it, and I've never wanted to do anything else. I've never been any good at anything else. So I've always been writing. You know, all my life. So well, it's, it's interesting um, to me that you've been called this a social chronicler uh, of the time. So, um, and it seems with your titles of your books you really are and your your ear and eye for dialogue um i also note that you had have been interviewed on nightline uh to discuss social issues how did that come to be well that was part of one of the ted conferences that my husband did um Mm -hmm. and actually i didn't know i was i mean i had spoken at ted a few times but I didn't know I was going to be on, but this is at the point where, where the techno people were taking over the world and were saying there weren't going to be any more books. Everything was, that was going to be no longer uh, viable. Everything was going to be digital. And I got so angry and upset that I marched up to my husband and said, I want you to put me on the stage. And what is amazing is they replayed, they only replayed like, two or three things from the conference and they they kept replaying that because the counterpoint was one of the big tech head guys and I was saying exactly the opposite. And um, so I can't say that not, Nightline called me up and asked me to do that, um, but then they really liked what I said, you know, because 
Um, if well, books are I, dead, we're all we're all dead. We're, we're all dead. Small. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I I just want to explain to listeners that your husband is the creator of the TED series. Um, he has since sold it, but um, and for those of you who've never seen um, a TED presentation you can go go to ted talks online it is technology entertainment and design as a matter of fact um i just was re-watching adam driver's tech speech because it's so good you have about 10 minutes or so 10 to 15 minutes to do a ted yeah. talk isn't that true what uh, have you given minutes your- but you know my my husband sold ted uh his original ted talks were very much more spontaneous than the ones now. So let me just make that clear. He mm-hmm. he's gotten an awful lot of credit for the um, for the the TED talks that are global now. But um, but he's no longer he no longer is a part of that. His TED talks I find personally were much more gritty and interesting and weren't so um, controlled, shall we say. Interesting. So what did you do your TED Talks about? What was your subject matter? Well, I think I've always said, you know, I mean, I, I'm an observer and I, I mean, my books are all social satires. I started adding murder because I really think all books are mysteries. You start a book, you don't know what's going to happen to anybody. Um, And you tell a story. Isn't that a mystery? And I love murder mysteries, so I added that in. My TED Talks were really, you know, because I think humor is, you know, I mean, is, is, critical. is for me the really critical. And, and, um, and I love writing funny, but I also, also love writing some heavy-duty stuff, which I think that is certainly the weave of, of people's eye and sunshine, but all my work. So with the TED Talks, I'd always be working off what was going on for that talk I never scripted anything and I don't know where I got the courage because that was those are really tough rooms to get up in I got to tell you and you're wow. in a room with Pulitzer Prize winners and Nobel Prize winners and very elitist snooty people and all kinds of, of expectations and I was the boss's wife you know but right um, so, somehow I was able to always just respond to who was presenting so it's sort of a hard question to answer because I would work off um, whatever was bugging me or what seemed ridiculous usually. This was mm-hmm. before PC, PC took over the world where you could actually still say something. I was never rude, but I usually right. had a different point of a different take on it. Um, right. And so sometimes it was like the nightline thing was about um, – why books are important, and um, and um, and sometimes it was just about some of the extreme points of view being presented to an audience to give them another perspective, which is what I think uh, you know writers writers are supposed to do. You I know, agree we're with supposed you. to observe, not not put our own, you know, if there, if we, we can't see all sides, I mean, I, I, every character I create, certainly people who die has a lot of characters. Um, even if they seem really unsympathetic, I'm able to find some humanity in them and express all different kinds of viewpoints and philosophies. It's not just PC and it's not just, you know, liberal and it's not this or it's that. 
you know. Right. I mean, the dogs are really important characters in the book to me. And right. um, I still really feel strongly about that. So I, I would always just work off what was going on in the room. So, I, you know, I can't uh, really be specific. I understand what you're saying. Um, you've been called the female Tom Wolf for your uh, your wry satire on the human condition, which I love because there was nobody more sarcastic, but in a good way, than Tom Wolf. So kudos <laughs> for you. I think that's wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank that's you. I actually uh, had dinner with him one night and was kind of really embarrassed that they had compared me to him. <laughs> um, one of my books they said was A Virgin Kisses, which is really sort of my breakthrough book. Um, they said that Virgin Kisses is like a nightmare Woody Allen would have on a really bad night. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, so you took a break from writing for a while, didn't you, Gloria? And you have a, a fairly large family. I mean, you've got four kids and you have all these grandkids. And you were moving around quite a bit, too. Um, but you're, you've come back now with this fabulously interesting book called People Die in Sunshine, which, as I mentioned, is set in Miami. And I, I love that because um, there is no better place to be if you want to get um, an, idea, an idea for a crazy murder mystery, right? Oh, you just lay boy. out the Miami Herald and, and you, you can read the headlines on the local section and you've, it must pop story ideas to you like crazy. I mean, it was, it was a feast. It is a feast. I was in a week. We lived in L.A. We lived in New York City for a long time. We lived in the Hamptons. We lived in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. I always work off the city. I have to work off the place. And the cast of characters changed by where I was. I never really took a break. It's just that because I don't do genre fiction, I can't move until the story is there. And because we had so many, you know, things going on in our lives that, sure. um, you know, I, I mean, I, you have to have the, the silence and the concentration. And this move to Miami was far more complex and traumatic than I ever imagined it would be. Wow. So, wow. you know, I thought, but all of a sudden there was the, you know, that I always start with the title and the title always leads me to the story. Um, so I've been taking notes here because I mean, just going through the glam mag ad mags like Miami uh, magazine and, and right. you know, reading the pa- reading the papers, they're just going out and walking around, which of course we're not doing so much now. But right. um, and listen, listening to people or the people that would come through our house and our lives, which always just seemed to be loaded with characters. Um, I just fill notebooks with um, scraps of paper and this and that, and you couldn't make up half the stuff that I or people that I actually met and things that I really <laughs> heard. No, I, you know, I thought this is be- this makes L.A. look like a conservative, uh, you know, old guard. <laughs> it really is. So. Miami is an interesting place to have been born and raised for me. And so I understand exactly what you're saying. You just, um, you know, I, I mean, all the great writers coming out of Miami, you know, and, and those who are popular, like, like Carl Hyacin and, and Dave Barry yeah. and all those who really riff off of it quite a bit, but you're right. It, it is, 
um, a place where you don't have to look very far out your front door to find inspiration for a story. So let's talk a little bit about <laughs> People Die yeah. in Sunshine. Um, it's a, tell Great. listeners about the book, please. Um, I'm sorry, would you? I couldn't hear what you said. Um, you let's tell listeners about people die in oh, sunshine. Oh, let's tell listeners. Oh, I missed yes. listeners. Well, sorry. People die in sunshine is a great. It's a great big n- novel, and it's a serious crime story, and it starts with a double murder. Um, I never do bad things to to nice pe- people or 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 underprivileged people. I like to pick on rich people because they can take the punch. So <laughs> Miami is just perfect for that. <laughs> and so two very rich, not very nice people who get murdered in a way that's quite, I think, interesting and unique. And um, what that gave me is what I think all good all crime novelists that really get in there, whether it's Poirot or whatever character it is, it allows you all this lateral movement in and out of all these different kinds of people's lives from every culture, every um, uh, social strata and whatever. So it's perfect for, uh, you know, for a social satire and almost all the action goes on within this one mega glamorous Sunny Isles condominium where the murders take place. So just by wow. knocking on door, doors of residence, I got to work in a whole lot of, of social satire and different kinds of people, backgrounds. Um, and, um, and, and, and I think, you know, I wasn't going to try to be an insider like you. I mean, it's taken me, we've been here five years. It seems like five minutes. I still don't, I can hardly drive. So um, <laughs> it's a, it's there. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't assume to approach it the way a native uh, Floridian or Miamian would. I thought, how can I use an outsider's perspective to give my little take on this glamorous, glitzy um, a combination of excess and you know, the I always, in my House in the Hamptons novel, I call it the intersection between the haves, the want-to-haves, the used-to-haves, the never-going-to-haves. And, yeah. um, and um, my novel, Seasick, is set on a cruise ship, which, of course, now is no longer really viable. But intersections between all the stratas of people in Miami is like, I mean, ground zero for that. It is. Uh, it really, it cult, truly is. Cult, cultural Cuisinart, you know. So um, people <laughs> like die that. in sunshine. Yeah, people die in sunshine. I always feel, if I, I never know who, who the murderer is when I start, because I feel the longer I can go and not know, then the reader's not going to know. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, I think it, it weaves its web. There's enough Red, red herrings, but I think that there are characters that you that are you really care about. You know, yes. it's not you know it has all of that because if if you get that wrong, then nobody cares who the killer is or what it means or who you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and I I never write a you know, I mean, the, the, these characters. A lot of them just appeared. I didn't even know they were coming. I'm thinking, I don't yeah. want to write about the, the one of the detectives, Nikki Martinez. I thought, who the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> there he was. <laughs> and he just became, you know, really important. And um, 
there's not a character in there that I didn't have fun writing. Some of that because there's Spanish accents, there's Russian accents, there's, right. you know, bimbos, there's a crazy anorexic uh, um, rich girls uh, with too much plastic surgery and, you know, and I mean, I mean, I got to really make fun of what I wanted to make fun of, but also have characters that you would have empathy for and sympathy for. But the container is all really this one condominium. And so I love it. I didn't have to know a whole lot about my <laughs> or pretend, though I did get input from people and from one native Miami and it gave me, you know, different people would give me different insights so that I, I always want the facts to be right, you know, uh, as, as clearly as I can get it. So, well, so I think it it's a, it's, it's, it, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I wanted to make a mention of something you said earlier that you imbue all of your characters with a little bit of humanity, whether they're the considered the good guys or the bad guys uh, you have to have create some type of emotional attachment to the reader with your characters don't you yes because also I don't do cardboard characters so um, you know people don't come with instructions and 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 people are very complex so people that uh, and this is a humbling lesson for me too people that are uh, you know and when I first came here I would just uh, usually just dismiss on the surface of of how they present mm-hmm. and yet even with people like that um i think i was able to go underneath that to find out you know how they how they became who they are what their goals were what they were struggling with um because it's so easy especially in a city like this to make snap judgments and dismiss people uh, out of hand just on their surfaces. And, of yes. course, the, the two most fascinating things in the world are human nature and mother nature. And human nature seems to be my, uh, you know, my my area. So, um, so that's sort of, you know, where I go. And I have to be able to find that in them. Otherwise, they're just, you know, there's just a comic book. You know what right. I mean? Um, oh, so I think I think people, readers will um, identify from little bits and pieces of some of these people. But out of all of that, I think there's a weave that that really creates a sense of humanity. And of course, I become every character. I mean, I really do when I'm writing them. And some are more fun <laughs> than others. But if I don't, if I'm bored with the character, I can't write it. You know, I mean, then I think well, the reader's going to be bored. Right. That makes so, sense to um, me. And the dogs, too. I'm all the dogs. I'm all the dogs. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of dogs in this book. So. That's okay. <laughs> Listen, if you, if you, you know, go to big cities like that, uh, Miami is a pet-friendly town for sure. So, oh, um, yeah. So I, I get it completely. Um, are you thinking about writing another book? Are you just kind of sitting back to relax now and see what happens? What is the plan for you? Well, you know, I mean, at this stage, um, I mean, just just the getting this one done, it's just been launched. I'm so relieved that, you know, it's, it's really formidable work that I can't you can't really explain and we can whine about it all writers whine about it but I do have the next I have the title for the next book 
um, and I know that I will I will get going. But um, probably, you know, once I get over my my lockdown on we, <laughs> I think yeah yeah I'll start I'll start right. I'll start up again. First, I have to just you know see this. You know, when they deliver it to you, it's like having a baby. You know, you see it yeah. there, and it's like so. Um, so I don't know when, but, but again, because I don't just write, I don't write genre books. So the care, I can't write it without the characters. You know, sure. I mean, if I have something has even one character. So right. with the next book, I do have the main character. I know who he's going to be, and it's going to oh, be a wonderful. Dog. But um, oh, good. Um, so. Um, so we'll see, you know, I we'll think see. I'm just sort of sur- uh, sur- surfing. You got to just kind of take it easy after you, after you birth that baby, that book baby. So I get that. Um, in your spare time, do you read yourself a bit? Oh God, yes. I mean, I, that reading has always been, um, there's a, 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 a sort of new friend I made here and I sent her, I wrote a little funny book. So I did do this, but I just didn't publicize it at all called remain calm. That was the most fun I've had in a hundred years. I just <laughs> wrote it and I love, I love it. Yeah, I love it. And, That's um, fun. and she, I gave it to her. It took her like four months. It was a little, little book. You yeah, know, not many pages and no narrative, just inner dialogue, uh, inner monologues and dialogue. And she said, well, you know, I don't read. And I was thinking, what, what is that? That's like, how do you say that? I don't read. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what that means. You if you me read, you're never, you're never going to be bored and you're always going to be learning. So and you're I always going someplace list. new. You're, you're going someplace exactly. new. Yes. Yeah, and well, there's no end. I've been reading my way through all of the great works of literature that I thought I had read or I'd forgotten I read or I put on my list and never read. Because, And I'm so proud of myself, what I have slogged through in the last five years. Oh, good for um, you. But no, I read every day, every day. As do I. I'm, I yeah. am one of those people who does not own a television. I read um, about 400 books a year and oh uh, across, across genre. Well, you know, I'm probably like a bad meme. I'm one of these old ladies whose house is filled with books and cats. So. <laughs> and cats. I read about the cats, a little yep. bio of you. I love that. Yep. <laughs> As long as it doesn't so, smell like kitty litter, you're okay. Oh, yeah. listen, this this place, I am I am so OCD about it, so you know it, it doesn't. Yeah, but no, um, I mean you. I mean I'll read if there's nothing to read, and I'm someplace. I read the label on a ketchup bottle. You anything. and me both. As a matter of fact, I think that's how it started for me when you know when I was before I entered school. And, you know, if there was a cereal box sitting on the kitchen table, I would try to read it. So, I mean, I have always fallen into books. It's a really great place to go. Gloria, tell us about where we can find you on the web, please. Uh, You can find me everywhere. I think the the book is launched. It launched really last week. Uh, The bookstore is here, Books and and Books, um, which has several branches. Um, right. They have it. Amazon has it. Barnes and Noble, Kindle, Nook. It's in paperback. It's in hardback. Oh, it's in. Are you, you know, um, et cetera, are you et cetera. A website? Do you have a website? 
Uh, yes, Gloria at Gloria Nage, N-A-G-Y dot com. And it's got all my titles and bios of everything. And the video on this new book and, you know, all the information I think you could stand. <laughs> I am so thrilled uh, that you and I got to chat. A, a, a nouveau Miami and, and an old time in Miami. And it's been I'm, a joy to speak to you. Oh, thank you. And it's such a compliment that you like the book because nothing could be more critical than somebody that was raised here. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. And yeah. I want you to know our book review staff gave it a thumbs up. So um, I will send you that information also. Uh, folks, I've been chatting with Gloria Nash, who is just a very prolific writer, a chronicler of, of our social history, which is fascinating to me. And um, I love the way you approach your characters, Gloria. I, I I, I think your satire is lovely, but I do like this book quite a bit, Being a Miami Native. Thank you for being with me today. I so oh, appreciate thank you. you. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me, Pam. And I will oh, follow up with you. It's my pleasure. Yes, please do. I look forward to, I will. to talking to you. I will. And I'll, I'll be in Miami soon. I'm going over for the holidays to see my family. So, you know, we might. Oh, we'll, great. we'll see if we can't yes, socially we can distance. Socially distance something or other. That would be wonderful. <laughs> okay. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Gloria. And enjoy Thank your day. You. You're so welcome. Thank Bye-bye. you. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Listeners, thanks so much for being with me. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later.